Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. this morning, I'll be honest with you, uh, when I study for Mother's Day, it seems like my practice every year is to go to my Strong's Concordance or to go, uh, to, my, uh, go to my Bible software and type in the word mother and or, or look up the word mother and just go through every year what the Bible says about mothers. And it seems like every year a certain passage of Scripture uh, will, join, will jump out at me as, we, as I look at those verses. And uh, last year it was 1 Kings chapter number 3 and those harlots uh, that Solomon had to discern who was the true mother in. And then this year it was this passage and uh, beginning in this passage, dealing with other passages at first, I wanted uh, to preach on Mary, the mother of Jesus. That was my plan. But then the Lord changed things this morning. So I hope the, the message is a, is a blessing to you. I was actually listening to Pastor Gene Rail preach, and he quoted a verse, and that got my mind to turning, and uh, the Lord just brought all of this together, and uh, so I, I pray it'll be a blessing to you this morning. But here in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 20, when the Bible here talks about Adam calling his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living, uh, I believe that when we come to this passage, there uh, is a truth that I believe we must begin with this morning. And that is that as far as the uses of motherhood, the word mother in the Bible, as the discussion of the topic of motherhood is in the scriptures, uh, you cannot think about uh, a mother in your life or a mother in the Bible without at least giving a mention to the lady that got it all started. And as I think about this passage, we come, this is the second use of the word mother in the entirety of the scripture. The first one is found in chapter number two. And verse number 24, where the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That first mention is a principle concerning marriage, that a man is to leave and to cleave to his wife. And God institutes the home there in that passage. And now the first family, if you will, uh, we find a mention of Eve uh, being given this name that we know her as, and she is called the mother of all living. And so, since this is a beginning place of motherhood in the Bible, I want to preach on the subject, and it'll make sense as we go through the message, but I want to preach on the subject, musing on Mother's Day. Musing on Mother's Day. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the things that as we walk through God's Word, I believe that He's laid upon my heart as I just mused and thought on the subject of motherhood this morning. Notice number one, I want to give you a few things this morning, and maybe even one this evening, but I want us to begin here in Genesis 3, and I want us to discuss, first of all, the path that a mother initiated. And I want to say at the beginning of the message, this first part of the message is not going to be what you're used to in a normal Mother's Day message. I've jokingly said it before, on Mother's Day, uh, preachers are very positive and loving and sentimental.
sentimental. And on Father's Day, we preach on what rotten fathers we are. Amen. And uh, ladies, that probably is the way it should be. Amen. Because I'm sure we need it a little bit more than you do. But if you will forgive me, the first part of the message is going to be fairly negative, but we are headed to a great positive here in uh, just a few minutes. But here in this passage, the verse that we begin with this morning is, as I've said, the second time that we find the name mother used in the Bible. And I believe that because of that and because of what this verse is saying, we realize that this is a very special verse of Scripture. I believe that it is special because it addresses this uh, wonderful position of motherhood, but while at the same time, I believe it is also special when we consider three things that's mentioned here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 20. First of all, I want to say something about what's being said in Genesis 3 and verse 20. Notice what the Bible says here. <coughs> the Bible says, and Adam called his wife's name Eve. Now I understand this is a very simple to be understood verse of Scripture. But what is being said in this one little verse is that we find that Adam is giving his wife a brand new name. We know and we in our vernacular we will talk about Adam and Eve. We'll talk about Genesis 3 and we'll talk about Adam and Eve. But it is not until Genesis chapter chapter 3 and verse number 20 where the moniker Eve came into existence at all. Adam named his wife on two different occasions and I'm sure most of you here this morning are glad that somebody gave you a name before your husbands could give you a name. Amen. And I was talking to somebody recently. Actually it was yesterday. I was spending time with my family and my, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law talked about how they picked out the baby names. One they said the boys, you get the boys boys and the girls, this one will pick the girls. And I told them yesterday, I said, I know Tori's glad that we did not have that bargain. Amen. Uh, she made sure that we did the names together. Amen. And I, I jokingly tell her that when you're in the hospital, they hand me the papers to write the name. I can put anything on there I want to. And you're in the hospital bed and can't do nothing about it. Amen. But I wasn't going to do that to her. Amen. But Adam named his wife on two separate occasions. Here we find the second of those occasions he names her Eve. If you know your Bible you'll know that Adam named Eve in Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 23 and the Bible says and Adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now I know every lady in here is glad that, that name didn't stick. Amen. I don't think anybody in here wants to be called woman for the rest of your life. Amen. But the Bible says that Adam is giving her a brand new name. That's what's being said. But then number two I want to say something about why it is being said. Notice what the Bible says here in chapter number three in verse 20. It gives us the reason why there was a new name that needed to be named. And the Bible says this, because 
because she was the mother of all living. You see, before, amen, there was not a perspective of this yet. Now, I could preach an entire message on this verse because this verse shows us Adam's faith. Notice what the Bible says here. He says, because she was the mother of all living. By this time, when this verse comes into the holy writ of the scriptures, Eve has not yet bore a son to our script, to, uh, according to the scriptural record. We do not know whether there were any children, amen, that were in her, in her possession before this moment. But the Bible says, and every person I've studied behind said that this is Adam giving great faith to the idea that he is calling her a mother, yet where there are, yet where there still to this point are no children. And there's a great message that could be preached there, but that's not my burden this morning. But notice what he names her. He names her Eve, and he names her that because she is the mother of all the li all living. Eve means life. Eve means living. Eve literally means a life giver. There was a desperate need in Eve's life because Adam already saw in Eve the potential of creating new life and extending the human race. Amen. He sees that in the distance by faith, believes that God's going to do that. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot more good things to preach on that. But what Adam is doing is, is he is saying that now Eve is much more than woman, now she's a life giver. Can I tell you that there's a day in each of your life, those of you that have been able to bear children, where God realized that there was more in you than just being the, and I believe, I believe in the scriptures that it is a, it is a high and holy thing to be a woman. I believe it is a great thing. I believe that there is a ministry for women. I believe God has a ministry for women that roles that men cannot fulfill. Now, I do realize as well that there are some roles that women will not be able to fulfill, and there's reasons for that. And again, that's another message for another day. But I will say this, that there, when God elevates a lady to the position of motherhood, there's more to you, for you to do than to simply do the task of being a woman, which is a great thing in the eyes of the Lord, but now to take on a new role. Now to take on a new name, if you will. Before you had that first child, you were whatever your name is. For Eve, it was woman. But do you remember, ladies, the first time you heard, Mama? What a wonderful name it is. I, I'm telling you, there's nothing that brings, and I know this is not Father's Day, but there's nothing that brings joy to my heart than hearing my boys say, Daddy. Amen. I love to hear my I love to hear my oldest boy say it. I love to hear my littlest boy. He's just getting real good at saying names. And one thing that is so clear is Daddy. I love it. He's real clear with mama too. Amen. Amen. Usually when he wants something, mama. <laughs> Amen. Usually he's greeting me. He's usually asking something from mama. Amen. But God here changes her name because now she was to be the life giver. 
of all of the human race. Amen. Why it is being said. What is being said. But then also I want to say something about when it is being said. You see, this word mother falls in a position in the scriptures that is noteworthy because God changes Eve's name through uh, the mouth of Adam after Eve has made a fatal mistake. She has messed up big time, but yet God still changes her name. God still sees more to her than just being woman and now being a life giver to the world. I believe here in Genesis 3.20, just in this name, Eve, we find the grace of God put on display for all of those that will read this passage to see God is so great that even after something as tragic as the events of what we we all know Genesis 3 is famous for. God would still by grace take this woman who has fallen into sin and still choose to elevate her to give life to other generations. What, a, what an amazing truth that is. In Genesis 3, you, see, you, may, you, may, you may say, preacher, I don't know what Genesis 3 is famous for. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve fall into sin. The devil comes to them in the Garden of Eden disguised as a serpent, and he begins with Eve. And the Bible says that he beguiles her. He tricks her. He tricks her into disbelieving what God said. And more than that, adding to what God said. And she does what the devil told her to do instead of what God told her to do. And then the Bible says this, and I want you to notice this. Notice what the Bible says here in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, and uh, let's look at verse uh, number, uh, well, let's, uh, we'll just read verse number 1. Amen. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. By the way, that's still the same tactic he uses. Causes us to doubt the word of God. Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Amen. Again, another sermon for another day. She added to the word of God. God did not say, neither shall you touch it. He said, you shall not eat of it. Amen. And, and so look at verse 4. The Bible says, and the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. God said that you would. In the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. The devil says, God was lying to you. God, God's not, what's going to happen to you is not going to be as God said. Verse 5, he indicts the Lord of wrongdoing and trying to trick them into believing him because of God's ill wishes for them. Look at verse 5, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The devil tells Eve that the reason why God doesn't want you to eat of that tree is because he will be jealous if you begin to gain knowledge that you don't have already. He will be. He will be nervous that his territory might be encroached upon if you gain. He said, you'll be like gods 
almost trying to say that God would be out of a job if you were to eat of this tree. He appeals to her pride in those verses. Verse number 6, the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, amen, that's the lust of the flesh. And that it was pleasant to the eyes, that's the, that is the lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise, that's the pride of life. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also, notice that, and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Remember the point I gave you was that the first thing that we're noticing is a path a mother initiated. There's an initiation that takes place here in verse number 6. The Bible said that this mother of all the living before she was called that, she has given, uh, she has partaken of this tree in sin and rebellion against God, and now she has given to her husband. Here's what the Bible says about this event. Do you realize that the Bible says that Adam was not deceived by the devil like uh, Eve was? Eve was the one, uh, was not the one that plunged the world into sin. Adam was. Romans 5.12 says, whereby, as by one man, sin entered the world. Amen. I know this generation is probably not the best day to preach this because people are confused about this. Amen. But it's very hard to have a mother be a man. I read an article yesterday, and it was talking about giving rights for motherhood to all genders. And I saw where somebody commented on this article and said one thing it makes, it, it, I'm not going to use the words that he used, but he said it makes motherhood difficult when you don't have the equipment to make that possible. When you don't have what you need to carry a baby in your womb, it's very hard to be a mother. In terms of, I'm not talking about folks that adopt children and things of that nature. I know you know that. I'm talking about the production. Amen. Men are not mothers. Amen. They can be really good fathers, but they're not, they'll never be a mother. Amen. The Bible said it was by one man sin into the world. Eve can't be a man. Amen. She was not a man. Amen. By one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, all of mankind, for all have sinned. Romans 5.19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so that by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. 1 Timothy 2.14 tells us, it says, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was, being deceived was in the transgression. It was Adam that plunged the world into sin. We get our sin nature from our father's genetic line. Dads, I hate to report that to you, but the reason why your child is a sinner is your fault, and it's my fault. I can't blame my wife for that, amen. The Bible says it came by man's disobedience. It came by man's sins. But notice, amen, why, why don't you go ahead this morning, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I quoted this verse too, but I want you to lay your eyes on it. Because I want you to see what I'm talking about this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. And by the way, the verse that follows this, it's going to be real interesting when we get to this in our 1 Timothy study. You look at it and giggle with me. Amen. 
But verse, chapter 2, verse 14 of 1 Timothy, the Bible says, And Adam was not deceived. In that moment where Eve takes whatever the forbidden fruit was, we talk about apples, but the Bible does not specifically say that. The forbidden fruit, when she takes that, and the Bible says she gave it to her husband, Adam was not deceived by that. Adam knew what he was doing. And that is why Adam is responsible for plunging the whole world into sin because he chose to go against the things of God, not out of deception, but deliberately. My pastor puts it this way. He says that in that moment, Adam pulled a Romeo. My God said, in the moment you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. And instead of seeing his wife die, he said, I will die with her, and took of it himself. Not deceived. But notice what the Bible says here. I have heard people use this verse over and over again to make excuses for Eve. I don't believe we find this verse telling us, even though that she was deceived, I don't believe the Bible is saying that she was innocent of this sin. The word in here, I studied this word in English and in the original Hebrew, and this word in here obviously speaks of her position. When the Bible says that she was in the transgression, God is not giving us an idea of innocence, but telling us she was standing slap dab in the middle of sinfulness. In the transgression means that Eve was to bear guilt, that Eve was to bear blame for mankind's move from innocence to iniquity. Not that she plunged the world into sin, but as I said, she initiates the path toward that direction. She, in deception, offers what she has come to know from the mouth of the devil and offers that to her husband. Can I tell you, it's never a good idea, amen, when the devil's telling you that you need to disbelieve God and go against God, amen, if that is what you want to do, amen, don't bring others with you in your rebellion, amen. She gave to her husband. There is some blame to be had in that, ladies, I promise you it gets better, amen, in a little while. But I found this interesting, so that is what we learn when we read it for just what it says. But as I began to dig deeper, as most of you know, the original languages our Bible was put in are very picturesque languages, both Hebrew and Greek. So picturesque, in fact, that sometimes the, our King James translators had to use other, uh, you had to add words to get the phrase right for the one word that they would have used in one of the original languages. This word in, this little two-letter word in in Hebrew, not only carries with it the idea of position, but also instrumentality. Eve, in other words, is being said here when 1 Timothy 2.14 says that she was in the transgression. The Bible there is implying that she was instrumental in the transgression. She was instrumental in mankind being plunged into sin. She offered the choice to her husband. And the Bible, despite all of that, the Bible still lets her be a mother. Again, the grace of God in that. 
Adam's choice to sin against God made all of humanity after them inherit a sin nature. But if Eve would have listened to God and not the devil, if she would not have given the forbidden fruit to her husband, our path to sinfulness very well may not have been initiated. So we find a mother initiating a path towards sinfulness. So we see the path that a mother initiated. But then go with me to Psalm 51. Number two, we see a problem a mother internalizes. Again, another negative thought headed toward some much more positive thoughts. Psalm 51 this morning. Most of you that know your Bible know what this passage is. I quoted often from this pulpit in our recent study of David, I have quoted this passage of Scripture because this is a Psalm of David after David had committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba and had murdered her husband to try to cover up his sin. He begins by praying to the Lord, seeking God's forgiveness. He says in verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. By the way, that's a good prayer to pray when you've got sin in your life. Amen goes right there. Verse 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions. I think that's a problem with a lot of us today. We don't acknowledge that we're sinful. He said, And my sin is ever before me against thee, and thee, uh, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and clear when thou judgest. Notice what he brings up in verse 5. He is talking to the Lord about a need for forgiveness and acknowledging his transgression. He acknowledges the moment that, that David became a sinner. He says in verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, let me say this. This verse is not saying that, that it is the mother's fault that he is sinful. This, this mother of David gave birth to him, gave him the gift of life, but before God, David is acknowledging where sin came into his life. And contrary to what the world may think and what psychologists may say, it was not because he was born in innocence and then was trained in rebellion and trained to be sinful. David here is giving us a doctrinal premise for where sin comes into our life and that is from the moment of conception. It's not that we grow to, to be sinners and we start off right and we go wrong but we start off wrong and only the blood of Jesus can make anything right. He tells us when we consider in the Bible and we muse and think about what the Bible says about motherhood we must remember that from one of the first uses we are already confronted in the scripture with sin being passed down the genetic line and each and every one of us being born in sin 
it's a problem. That because we are born in our mother's womb, we're conceived rather in our mother's womb. There's a problem that is eternalized in the heart of every person. Amen. And that is the need to be saved from our sins. With that said this morning, I move from some negative thoughts into a more positive thought. And all the ladies said, Amen. We've seen, first of all, the path that a mother initiates. We see, secondly, the problem a mother internalizes. But then, thirdly, I want you to turn to Luke chapter number 1, and I want us to see the person a mother incarnated. Look at Luke chapter number 1 with me this morning. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 26. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 26. <clears throat> the path a mother initiated. The problem a mother internalizes. But then the person a mother incarnated. Look at verse 26 of Luke chapter number 1. The Bible says that in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin. This is a lady that's not a mother. She's a virgin. There's no possibility of her being a mother at this time. A virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. The Bible says in verse 28, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. I wish I had time to preach these. I'll just have to wait till Christmas, I guess. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. She's perplexed by all that this angel is saying about her. And in humility and in honesty, Mary says, how could I deserve to be said of God's messenger all of these wonderful things? I just don't understand what he's saying. Verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. By the way, this is, a, this is a lady that's being told she's going to become a mom. Well, she wasn't even looking to become one. She wasn't even married yet. This was very early on in the, in the baby producing process. She's not even married. She's just espoused the, the, all of that takes place to move from the espousal to the, to the wedding has not fully been completed yet. Just the word espouse means it has just been started. And the Bible says that she's going to conceive in her womb, a virgin womb nonetheless, and bring forth not just a child, but God tells her that she's going to have a son. And notice what the Bible says. Says in that and shall call his name, Hallelujah, Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. When the angel said that, 
Mary knew that this angel is telling me that I'm not just having a son that's going to be an ordinary son. When he said he's going to sit on the throne of his father David, that angel in no less terms just told her that the Messiah that the Jews have been waiting for for thousands of years, I am giving to you to take care of, to raise, to feed, to love, to hold, to tuck into bed at night, to instill values in. By the way, Jewish historians said that it would have been commonplace in the ancient world for every virgin girl to pray and to seek God and to have her heart's desire. Maybe it could be me that will bear our Messiah, this little virgin girl. God takes her from being a maiden. The Bible says later on she calls herself the handmaiden of the Lord. Takes her from being a maiden, an unmarried woman, to being a mother. And by the way, I'll say this this morning. God does that for every lady. He'll take someone, maybe not unmarried, amen. But yet at the same time, God will take ladies who have not been mothers before and will put a, a put a miracle in them and make them into a mother. Amen. This happened for Mary. And the Bible said that his name would be Jesus. We know that name means Savior. Amen. Verse 32 said he would be the Messiah. Verse 33 says, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. And Mary says in verse 34, how? shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 38, And Mary said, and I love this verse, And Mary said, Despite not understanding all that was going to be done, despite not understanding the process that God was going to take, to turn a maiden into a mother despite not having all the answers she replied behold the handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to thy word and the Bible said the angel departed from her Mary said Lord I don't know how you're going to do it but if that's what you want for me, I'm willing to sign up. I'm willing to be, I'm willing to be what you want me to be. And then when we come to Luke chapter number two, it's interesting what the angel says about this baby. Amen. That she births, the Bible says in verse number 11, as this angel spoke to the shepherds concerning her baby boy, it says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Can I tell you, amen, that even though the story of motherhood begins with a path that is initiated as a, as a woman that would later be called the mother of all living hands the forbidden fruit to her husband and while she doesn't plunge the whole world into sin she begins that process as David talked about him being conceived in sin amen through the conception when he come forth out of his mother's womb he came forth a sinner here we find a mother giving birth to a person that is not just a baby boy, but is the incarnate Son of God that He declared from His messengers from heaven would be the Savior of the world.
Can I tell you this morning, if you have not yet <coughs> dealt with that problem that you were conceived in, because a mother, a man, God took a young maiden, took a virgin girl, and turned her into a mother, it is because of that womb, it is because of the product of that womb that we have a Savior today. Amen. God used a young lady, turned her into a mother, and now the whole world can come to her son, call out to him by faith, and call on him to be their Savior. A person that a mother incarnated. Luke chapter 1 tells us about the incarnation announced. Luke chapter 2 tells us about the incarnation accomplished. John 1.14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. <coughs> And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, if you will, turn with me this morning. I'll be done with this to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. I have seemingly, not on purpose, but I have never, I don't know if y'all believe this or not, but I've never in my ministry preached on Mother's Day out of Proverbs 31. Never have. Now, I did that these last few years without recognizing that, but now I'm just going to try to keep the streak going. Amen. It's not my main text, but it does go along with these thoughts. Number four, I want to say something about the praise a mother invites. Again, these are just muses on Mother's Day. Just some thoughts as I've considered the use of in God's Word of what He says about mothers. He tells us about our sin. He tells us about a Savior. But then look at Proverbs 31 and verse number 28. The Bible here in these verses is describing for us the actions of a Proverbs 31 woman. Beginning in verse number 10 all the way down to verse number 31, we find great lessons about the activity of a virtuous woman. And this woman is described based upon activities not only as a virtuous woman, but as a virtuous wife and a virtuous mother. And here's what the Bible says about, the, about any lady that will conduct themselves as a Proverbs 31 woman. The Bible says in verse 28, her children arise up. And call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praiseth her. Verse 29 Many daughters have done virtuously, but I wonder if there'd be any men in here thinking about your wife, or maybe even thinking about your mother, that would be able to say these words, Thou excellest. Hallelujah, them all. Ladies, when the Bible talks about motherhood here, talks about children in verse number 28, there is an invitation that is seen when a, and throughout the scriptures, there's two of them really, when a mother decides, a woman decides more than being whatever kind of woman the world wants me to be. Being the kind of woman that, that God wants me to be. And I want to be virtuous and I want to fulfill God's plan. I want to be that kind of Proverbs 31 woman. There is an invitation by the hand of God in the Scriptures directed toward you. And it is an invitation of praise. 
men, men and children, let me remind you this morning, and I know I'm going to have to live by what I'm preaching. I've tried to do it some already this morning with the time that I've had and do more in the days to come. Amen. But God here says that if that lady that you hold lives that way, does those things, a lot of it has to do with the work that she does with her hands, providing for the house in terms of making sure that home is exact. It's got her fingerprints all over it. It's got her, you can see her heart all in it. That's just, that you can just see her everywhere you look. That's part of being a Proverbs 31 woman taking care of those kids and all the things that this talks about. Amen. It talks about the busyness of a, of a wife and a mom, how she's not lazy. She's always just doing what needs to be done. I believe moms and wives are some of the most unsung heroes in the entire world. And this passage talks about that. And ladies, the Bible says, and y'all listen to me, everybody that's not one of those ladies, amen. If, if you're late, the lady in your life is doing that, she deserves to be praised for it. Not only does the Bible tell us that she deserves to be praised, God takes for granted in this passage that it will happen. The Bible says here, verse 28, her children arise up. By the way, that's really good for any children to consider. God wants you to arise. Amen. And call her blessed. The Bible says this, her husband also, and he praiseth her. Children, let me ask you this. How much have you spent time praising your mama today? I'm not talking about worshiping like we praise the Lord. I'm not talking about worship, but giving a verbal, a, a verbal uh, acknowledgement for all that she does and how thankful you are for what she does. I promise you this, as someone who has seen both if his parents cross over to the other side, I promise you on days like this, you will wish that you would have if you did not do it before now. Her children arise and call her blessed. The greatest friend you have in this world is your parents. And there's always something special about mama. That I have still yet to delete either one of my parents' phone numbers in my cell phone. And I can't tell you how many times I've had something happen in my life where I wanted to go to Mama and tell her about it. I'd love to be able to call her and say, Mama, thank you for everything you've done for me. I am where I am. I'm living the life that I'm living because God gave me a great Mama. I'd love to do that. Children, have you done that? Husbands, the Bible says that the action of a husband who has that kind of wife, it is your biblical obligation to praise your wife. I don't think we as husbands take time to do it enough. I understand you've got to work. I understand you've got to provide. I've got to, I understand that you've got irons and a million fires, and trust me, I do too. But we fail to miss, or we, 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 we choose to miss what God would have for us in our homes when we don't take the time to praise that wife, that mother that God's put into our life. Have you praised the mother of your children today? More than just today. Today's just one day. The Bible here does not mention anything about a federal holiday called Mother's Day. <laughs> 
I believe when the Bible here talks about her children rise up and call her blessed, I believe that's every day they get up. They ought to love on their mama. And the Bible here, when it adds, it says her husband also. In other words, when he gets up, the Bible said he praiseth her. By the way, that praiseth, I've told you this before, ETH is a continual thing, Brother Tommy. When you wake up in the morning, if y'all ever get to see each other with y'all schedules, amen, praise shouldn't stop when Mother Day's over. Amen. Should be a continuous thing, a daily thing. There is an invitation to praise those that live this way. A praise that a praise a mother invites. But did you know? And I, I'm I'm done with this. I want you to see this because this this was profound to me. Look at Psalm. Where am I at? Psalm 113. We'll be done with this verse. Psalm 113. Did you realize that not only does that kind of wife and that kind of mom give an in, gets an invitation from the Lord that she ought to be praised, but there's another invitation that it brings with it. Psalm 113. Look at this with me this morning. Not only does a, does a Proverbs 31 type mom invite praise to herself or for herself, but she also invites praise to her Lord by how she lives and by the actions she conducts with. Look at Psalm 113 and look at verse number 9 this morning. This psalm, the psalmist is describing the Lord and the actions of the Lord. And in doing so, he says, this is something that the Lord does. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Now notice this. It doesn't stop there. It says, praise you the Lord. Because of what God has done. You think about that mom that God gave you. You think about that wonderful wife that God's given you. You think about all of those mothers that have invested in your life, whether they are blood related to you or not. There's, there's mothers in this church that God has used to invest in my life and in my family's life and in my children's life. All of those mothers in your life. Here's what the Bible says. The creation of those individuals just the way they were, handling that home the way they do, keeping it the way they do, Be, being that joyful mother of children and how they handle that, it was something done by the ability of a sovereign, holy, powerful God. And because of that, ladies, when you live the life that you do, and you're, the, you're, you're, you're striving to be that Proverbs 31 woman, all you're in doing is inviting people to praise the God that makes you the way that you are. Gives you the ability to do what you do. When you're doing all of that work and it doesn't seem like anybody appreciates it, I promise you God hasn't forgot about it. And every time somebody considers what you're doing, it may seem like the role of an unsung hero. It may seem like there's no praise to be found in it. God is aware of it because God gets glory out of the actions of your life. No matter who sees it or who recognizes it, God's getting because only God can take a maiden, can take a Mary, can take a, take, take a lady, take a woman, and turn her into a mother, a joyful mother. That's an action that only God can do. 
If you're a mother today, God has placed His hand in your life and has worked on your life in such a way to make you who you are. When you hear Happy Mother's Day today, you need to praise the Lord. And other, you, others around you need to be praising the Lord. Because God, it's God's doing. And I, and, and I, I believe we could even add this to it. The, this is a, it's the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing to be able to have this day. And as I mused on mothers in the Scriptures, those were four things God gave me. We'll look at one more tonight. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. When the road is cold up yonder.